Living Stones is a weekly conversation about living a truly Catholic life. Deacon Harold Burke Sivers and Ken Hellenius help you deepen your relationship with Christ and His Church, discussing practical ways to grow in faith, participate more fully in the liturgy, and practice charity towards all. Hello, and welcome to Living Stones. I am your co-host, Ken Hellenius, and sitting across from me in his home studios in Portland, Oregon, is the most dynamic of deacons, the most handsome of bald men, the man who preaches the gospel to the ends of the world, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Hello, Deacon. Hey, Ken, how you doing, my friends? Great to be with you. It is a joy to be with you. Thank you. You know, here we are in the month of November, November, the month devoted to the holy souls. And uh, this is one of my favorite months because, of course, this is the time of year when we're beginning to wrap up. We're hearing a lot of apocalyptic readings in the Gospels and in the readings at Mass because, of course, this is a time here in the Northern Hemisphere, at least, when it's, it's dark early right? We just lost an hour, the daylight savings time. So it's darker earlier and it's darker later in the morning and things like that. And so we begin to think about the end times. And yet the church proposes that this is also a time when we pray for our beloved dead. We pray for those that have gone before us that handed on the faith to us and those who are part still of the great communion of saints. They are the church suffering. Uh, And so we pray for them, and uh, that's kind of uh, just an awesome responsibility and an invitation, but it's also an opportunity to be in communion with those that we love. And so I love this time of year. Yeah, I'm not so much a fan. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I like it. I like it in the sense that it's cooler. Um, Yeah. You know, I, I'm a person that rather be cool and try to get warm than to be warm and try to get cool. <laughs> oh yeah, kind of a thing. So, so that works for me. And also the shortness of the days. You know, there's so much darkness. Yeah, it's just it's reminding. It's just a, a reminder of death. You know, the um uh the finality. You know that, and it, it makes me remember my age, in a sense that I'm 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 closer to the end. Sure. Than I am to the beginning. You know. So this this time of year is just constant reminder of those things um, for me, and that, not there's the most pleasant of thoughts, but right. Um, but it does it does help me to remember the finality of things, and helps me to kind of keep track. Am I on track? Am I am I utilizing the talents that God has given me to the best of my ability? Those kinds of things, you know. Uh, and you're right, the apocalyptic readings at mass, you know, are yeah. pointing toward the end, and you know. But it's good, I think, to be reminded that, uh, you know, that life doesn't end here. (laughs) That's right. You know, and as a preacher, I would imagine, you know, there used to be, uh, I've heard about this great tradition of kind of preaching on the four last things, you know, death, judgment, uh, hell or heaven. I'm going to imagine, of course, that these, uh, this is the time of year when these sorts of ideas, because again, we hear about them in the readings. We, we may be thinking about them as we're walking out our front door because it's still dark. And as we come home from work, when it's still dark, I mean, these are, uh, the themes of preaching kind of come out of our lives and out of our experience in a way too. Yeah, that's so true. And the connectedness that we have to, uh, the transcendent is also a thing in my mind this year, you know, a, a deeper connectedness, you know, um, to, and I, I can remember my, both my parents died around this time as well. So, mm. so it's also a reminder, you know, uh, the, the hope of seeing them again. And, and, um, you know, I remember them in a special way during this time of year and, 
and of course we had you know all saints and all souls you know um where we at the holy sacrifice of the mass remember all of the saints remember because the saints is not not just those who are canonized but all those who are enjoying the beatific vision you know life with god face to face forever in heaven where we all hope to be one day absolutely we are part of that communion of saints as saint paul reminds us you know but we're also called Believe it or not, we are called to be canonized. We are called to be great examples of faith to others as well. So we may not all make it to the canon, but we exist as saints because we have been baptized into Christ. And so saints is a both a term of art as well as a term that is common to all of us. So um, be saints. You know, who was the, uh, who was it that said, is it Charles Piggy who said, the great tragedy is that we are not all saints? You know, that's uh, so true. Yeah. So true. Yeah. Well, yeah. Deacon, what have you been up to? Uh, well, traveling back on the road again, which was uh, which was awesome. Uh, you know, just been to uh, some some wonderful places uh, lately. Anaheim, California, speaking at a Servite uh, Catholic High School down there. And then in Madison, Wisconsin for a men's conference, which was a lot of fun. And then Colorado Springs, you know, for uh, several different events, La Goddess one night. And then uh, a ticketed event talking about evangelization the next night and then high school uh, and then the men's conference on the weekend. So, yeah, a full four days there. And and now uh, get ready to head to uh, Minneapolis, actually for do an event for the Notre Dame Club of Minnesota. Oh, fantastic. He's doing an event on uh, on race, on race, racism and those kinds of issues. And they're they're bringing me in to uh, as a part of a panel discussion to talk about those issues. So wonderful. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. How, how about you? Well, you know, uh, so last summer I presented at the Catholic Media Association Conference in Portland. I was out uh, there uh, and got to visit the good people of Modern Day Radio, who, uh, you know, are our fine host station that produces Living Stones. Uh, but while I was at the conference, I presented a session on using humor and joy in your publications. And this was particularly aimed at Catholic newspaper publishers and magazine publishers. A lot of diocesan newspapers and reporters and editors were there. And at the end of my uh, presentation afterward, the editor and publisher of the paper in the Diocese of Fort Wayne, South Bend, where I live, invited me to well, I guess in a way, um, put my money where my mouth was, and they invited me to write a regular column, a monthly column on joy and faith, kind of how we uh, integrate and how we be people of, of joy and people of humor uh, as faithful uh, Catholic Christians. And so uh, my column is now being published. It's uh, I'm a couple couple columns in, a couple months into being published. And uh, it's been a lot of fun to kind of think about um, how we apply these things to our daily life of faith. Um, last month's column, I wrote about uh, the saints of the month of October, for example. So saints that we encounter who were themselves people of joy. So I got to write about Pope John uh, XXIII uh, and Pope John Paul II and St. Teresa of Avila. And it was just, it, it's so delightful to reflect upon these, these great examples of faith, but then also think about the practical realities of being people of joy. 
And ultimately, that's what we are. You know, Pope Francis, in his very first encyclical, wrote about the joy of the gospel. And then he wrote about the joy of love. And of course, the great pastoral constitution on the church in the modern world from the Second Vatican Council was joys and hopes, gaudium et spes. And so we, as a people of faith, are called to be people of joy. And uh, it's it's my great honor and opportunity to uh, actually kind of write about these things and reflect upon them. So that's what I've got going on is trying to figure out what am I going to write about. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. All right. All right. Very good. Well, you know, last week... And you just got back from pilgrimage, right? Well, exactly so we, so, right, yeah. Which is what Zach we're talking about now. It's yeah, great. so uh, last week we kind of started talking about this, uh, having just come off of a pilgrimage to... a Eucharistic pilgrimage to uh, Italy with uh, students here from uh, the University of Notre Dame. We kind of began to talk about the practical kind of what what is pilgrimage like. And uh, what I realized and I remembered is that there was this wonderful document that I read more than 20 years ago now, is the church was preparing to celebrate the great jubilee of the year 2000. The Pontifical Council for Migrants and Itinerants, uh, which also is uh, kind of oversees the world of tourism, published a document in preparation for the jubilee called The Pilgrimage in the Great Jubilee. But it was a wonderful document because not only was it focused on getting people ready who might be traveling to Rome for the, the Jubilee or, or to one of the great pilgrimage sites, but it also reflected deeper on what it means to be pilgrims in this world, what it means to be people journeying towards a destination of faith. And, uh, you know, I thought we, we kind of talked about it offline and said, gosh, this would be a great document. Again, it's 24 years old, and yet it's ever relevant. It's relevant today. Even if you haven't made any sort of pilgrimage in your life, you know, you haven't gone to a shrine or something like that, or maybe you're homebound, maybe you can't leave the house, or maybe you're getting ready to go on pilgrimage. This is the um, sort of document that helps deepen our reflection and get us ready spiritually for a journey, whether that be a physical journey or spiritual journey, or ideally, both. And so uh, I said, gosh, let's let's talk about this document, Deacon. So published in uh, April 1998, this document on the pilgrimage in the Great Jubilee is something I think we, uh, we're going to get to talk about. No, th- this is great because, uh, you know, we, we both have gone on pilgrimages this year, and uh, they're always amazing experiences and this is important to talk about this from a spiritual perspective because they're not vacations, right. you know, um, they're not uh, tourist places per se. I mean, you know, the whole thing about our faith is, is about entering into relationship. You know, uh, our whole life is, a, is a, a deepening journey of love, intimacy with the Lord. And it's a pilgrimage. That journey is a pilgrimage. You know, and that's how the document starts. It starts off by quoting King David. He says, we are strangers before you, pilgrims only, as were all our ancestors. So right from the back, the very first line of the document, you know, uh, reminds us of the fact that we are on pilgrimage, an earthly pilgrimage. Uh, King David was very aware of that, uh, the fact that our home is not here, uh, which is which seems a little strange just from a practical perspective, because this is all we've ever known, this existence is all we've ever known from the time we were born and everything that's happened to this point, this is all that we know. 
of course we know about our faith and heaven and all that, but you know, uh and, and we know that the death is not the finality, it's it's not the end for us. Right. But at the same time, was it saying the scriptures, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has even dawned on man. You know, <laughs> what's awaiting for us uh on the other side, you know, in, in the heavenly realm. And so there's a little bit of um a little bit of trepidation and fear also when it when it comes to talking about our, our earthly pilgrimage. Because we know that the pilgrimage always comes to an end, just like our pilgrimages. We come home, right? right. You know, you were in Italy, and uh, and we both went to the Holy Land, and I was also in uh, France and Poland, and Czech Republic this year. But and we came home. Yep. You know, and uh, at the end of this journey, we will be home, forever with God in heaven, which is beautiful and wonderful to think about. It really is, but at the same time, it's also unknown. Right. You know, and, and pilgrimage reminds us again, we talk about at the beginning, can this time of year, you know, <laughs> you know, again, another reminder of our journey toward the Lord. That's uh, it's interesting, as you say, you know, we don't know where we're going. Uh, maybe we have a destination, but we don't know who we're going to be when we get there, because part of mm. a journey is there are practical realities. You're, you're on an airplane, you're on a ship, you're on a, you're in a car, you're on a bus next to somebody you may not know who is themselves coming from a different background and different experience. And you, you are changed as you are traveling. And then you get to your destination of your pilgrimage, whether that be a shrine or, or the Holy land or, or some sort of specific experience that you're working towards. Then when you come back, you're dumped back into your life. You're dumped back into your daily existence, your job, your your family, your, your church community, all of these sorts of things. And you're experiencing people you're and you're with people who didn't have the same experience that you did, people who didn't go with you on this. And so you come back a different person. They themselves have changed while you've been gone. And now the invitation is, how do you integrate your new experience into your daily life? How do you extend that trip as well? In the second paragraph of this document on the pilgrimage in the Great Jubilee, the, uh, the authors say, In the course of history, Christians have always walked to celebrate their faith in places that indicate a memory of the Lord or in sites representing important moments in the history of the church. They have come to shrines honoring the Mother of God and to those that keep the example of the saints alive. Their pilgrimage was a process of conversion, a yearning for intimacy with God and a trusting plea for their material needs. For the church, pilgrimages in all their multiple aspects have always been a gift of grace. And that's really, I think, the reason why we go on pilgrimage. We seek, you know, we may go seeking healing. We may go on a trip to visit a shrine to implore the Lord for help in, in, with a question that we have. We might go merely to praise God. And I say merely as if merely is the word we apply when we're talking about praise of God. But no, we may go specifically to praise the Lord. But ultimately, every pilgrimage is a gift of grace to us. It's a physical expression that we are open to receive God's love. And it's also then, it is an approach to the Lord. It's we are prompted and we respond to that prompt. And so this is the wonderful gift of a pilgrimage to us as Christians. Yeah, you're right, because we're, we're bringing ourselves to it 
and not just ourselves, but our hearts, right? So there may be something that's weighing on our hearts. There may be, you know, worries. There may be some physical ailments. There may be, you know, kids are away from the faith. We have relatives that are uh, struggling financially or you know, we, we're bringing all these things that are on our hearts and, and we're bringing them as an offering, as, a, as our lives as a living sacrifice to the Lord, which we do, of course, in every holy sacrifice of the mass, and that beautiful exchange in the Eucharist of love, life, intimacy, and communion. But to do that on pilgrimage, to go to the sites where our Lord was, where our Blessed Mother appeared, where amazing saints lived their lives and, and ministered to the people of God, um, like St. John Vianney, if you go to ours, very small very, very simple town in France, but powerful when you see the the effect and and the the, the great ministry of St. John Vianney to the people there. Very simple priest, but really loved the Lord with all his heart, so much so that his heart is incorrupt. You know, you can actually you can actually wow. see his heart there on, on display in ours. So, you know, it, it's moments like that. And sometimes you're surprised by the Lord, when you when you bring something, I remember I was bringing something uh, on this last pilgrimage to Poland. You know, went to the shrine of John Paul II, and you know, you know, we're both John Paul II guys, Ken, yeah. right? We oh, both yeah. grew up in the time of of John Paul II's pontificate. Yep. Um, and and uh, and to but to go there and to pray pray before his relics, you know, and um, and to bring the things on my heart to him at that time. And and just leaving there was just a sense of overwhelming peace, you know, it was awesome. I mean, I, I literally could have spent all day just, just at the shrine there. And if I ever go back to Poland again, I will, I think, spend an entire day yeah. uh, just experiencing John Paul II in, 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 a, in, a, in his pontificate in a very personal way by, um, by praying and, and, and spending a quality time. Um, in the shrine dedicated to his life and to his ministry. You know, you describing that, and it just makes me want to go, of course. Uh, and that's actually one of the important aspects of pilgrimage, is that it's about evangelization. Uh, evangelization, you know, quoting again from this document, is the ultimate reason for which the church proposes and encourages pilgrimages such that they are transformed into an experience of deep and mature faith. This idea that when I travel, I come back and I talk about, you know, I travel and go on pilgrimage and I pray and I have this wonderful experience of grace, which we just talked about before. And then when I come home, I talk about that to my friends, to my family, in my church, to strangers, talk about this joyful experience that I had, about this powerful trip in which I encountered the Lord in his saints. I encountered the Lord in his living saints, the brothers and sisters that, you know, gave hospitality while I was there, um, that I took time to kneel in prayer, that I experienced mass, perhaps that I brought back, you know, um, souvenirs that I could share kind of uh, with my friends, with my God children, you know, my godson and my goddaughter. All of these sorts of things make me into, in some ways, an evangelist for that experience. I am then sharing the joy of my faith and giving an account of the hope that is in my heart, as St. Peter, you know, writes. Um, so we too become then apostles, we too become those sent 
to preach the good news. The good news of God has come to earth. God has come to save us in Christ Jesus our Lord. And God is living. Christ is living in his saints here on earth even today. Uh, And so this is one of the great reasons why pilgrimages are the church supports them. The church supports them with pastoral care. The church sets up great structures uh, in order to uh, be able to accommodate pilgrims. You know, I was there in Rome this uh, just you know a few weeks ago, and um, they have built new roads and new parking garages for buses and things like that to accommodate the physical realities of people coming to pray at the tomb of St. Peter the Apostle. You know, these are the sorts of things that we do out of hospitality, out of love, because that's how we welcome our brothers and sisters who want to be there to have this spiritual encounter with the Lord's, with the Vicar of Christ. And so uh, these are the sorts of things that we do. And it, it's really amazing when you think about all the work that goes into it, specifically to facilitate a spiritual encounter. Yeah, you know, and in that sense, Ken, pilgrimages are sacramentals. You know, just like we have holy water and we have uh, miraculous medals and we have, uh, you know, those um, uh, rosaries that sometimes people wear around their wrists, you know, oh, yeah. different things. Yeah. We have holy cards. We have these these wonderful reminders of our encounters uh, with Christ, you know, physical reminders. That's what I love about the church, you know, the, the physicalness of it, you know, yes. uh, with these sacramentals. And when you go on pilgrimages, you 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 know you have in, you have the memories, but you also have pictures. And you yeah. talked about souvenirs. I I also uh, bought souvenirs for my for my godchildren when I was in Europe, and uh, it's a wonderful way of sharing that experience with them. But it also becomes a wonderful memory for me as well. So when I like in the Holy Land, when you hear the readings and you re- and you're reminded of what it was like to be in that place, or when I think about the Pontificate of John Paul II and, and remembering you know, being at his shrine or being um, in uh, Vadovice, you know, where, where he grew up, you know, at his family home or, um, you know, or d- different experiences, you know, St. Vincent de Paul, you know, uh, being in the church where, where he is, uh, where his body is, is, is lying in state there, remembering all the wonderful things he did for the poor and, and, and the needy um, and for even young, young boys and girls in their Catholic faith, you know, just, just all those kinds of things are wonderful reminders, you know, again, sacramentals, if you will, um, just wonderful ways that God touches us uh, with these beautiful experiences, all again, designed to bring us closer to him, to bring us closer to him, to bring us, as you, as you mentioned in the document, into deeper intimacy with him. Yeah. You know, I think that's, that's one of the key things about the pilgrimages as well. It's a good u- use of the word sacramental. Because, of course, sacramentals are not themselves sacraments, but they lead us back to the sacraments, which are, you know, uh, which are uh, actual conduits of grace that are effective actions that that actually perform what what uh, they they symbolize. Um, Of course, on pilgrimage, we encounter the sacraments, right? So many of the great pilgrimage sites are uh, places with mass. Uh, you know, churches for mass and confessions. You know, one of the most awesome things about visiting Rome and going to the four major basilicas is the confessionals and lines out the, you know, in front of the confessionals so that you can, that people can line up and, and can be shriven. You know, people can be reconciled to God 
and then be able to enter fully into the worship of God in the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, the source and summit of our Christian life. Uh, that's why, of course, even when we go on, on pilgrimage, it's such an essential part. You know, uh, many of the great pilgrimage sites have indulgences attached to them. And those indulgences, actually, in order to gain the indulgence, you have to actually go to confession. You have to receive the Holy Eucharist in, at Mass because these are signs, again, the sacramental aspect of the pilgrimage leads us to the sacraments, leads us to the actual encounter with God, which is the the sacraments themselves, especially Holy Eucharist and reconciliation or confession. That's a powerful uh, kind of aspect to, especially when you're on a, you know, if you join with a pilgrim group, so many great Catholic pilgrimage organizations and, and tour groups specifically make these opportunities available. And they specifically say, we will have mass at this shrine. We will have confession available at this shrine and things like that. And those are so powerful because then we are being nourished while we are on this journey, literally receiving the way bread on our journey, the way bread of the Eucharist, which is, of course, ultimately the supper of the lamb. Oh, that's that's beautiful. That's awesome. And and a wonderful reflection, again, as the U.S. bishops, um, you know, for the next three years are focusing uh, the church's attention back on the Eucharist as yes. the source and summit of our faith, as the heart of our existence as Catholics. You know, and even the document itself in paragraph six says that the final aim of pilgrimages is, in fact, the promised land full of communion with God in a renewed creation. So even our communion here is preparing us again. It's just like we're on pilgrimage. It's food for the journey, spiritual food for our journey, you know, for ultimate communion with God forever in heaven. And in, in that renewed creation is book of revelation talks about the new heaven and, and the new earth. So uh, yeah, it's a beautiful reflection there, Ken. Fantastic. Well, Deacon, we've run out of time for our conversation now, but when we come back together next week, we're going to pick up kind of in this document, the pilgrimage and the great Jubilee, specifically looking at pilgrimages in the uh, people of Israel and in the Christian church and in the history of the church since. So lots to chat about. But uh, fortunately, we're on this journey together, kind of in a way, a, a radio pilgrimage. So until we gather next week, we invite you to connect with the show. Visit us uh, on Facebook at Living Stones Media, where we will have a link to this document, The Pilgrimage in the Great Jubilee. You can also download previous episodes of the show at com. But Deacon, until we gather together next week here on the radio, might we have a blessing. May Almighty God bless you and keep you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We'll see you next week here on Living Stones. You've been listening to Living Stones with Ken Hellenius and Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Living Stones is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon. For more information about this show, go to moderndayradio.com. That's M-A-T-E-R-D-E-I radio.com.